Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. I'm Dylan Bowman, here with an episode with one of the most exciting athletes and characters in the sport of running at the moment. Today we are joined by Ninka Brinkman, the Dutch running sensation who might just be one of the most versatile athletes on the planet right now. You will obviously learn more about her story in this episode today, but just a quick intro for those who are unfamiliar. Ninka only started running in 2020 when she was bored during the pandemic. And in a short two and a half year stretch, she has done many extraordinary things, including breaking the Dutch national record at the marathon, running a ridiculous two hours and 22 minutes in the marathon, finishing second overall at Rotterdam in April. She is on the fast track to the 2024 Paris Summer Olympic Games. And on top of all that, Ninka is also a passionate trail runner, which makes me so happy, who just won and set the course record at Zagama, a legendary mountain marathon in Spain. There's so much that's fascinating about Ninka, so I won't spoil it. I'll just let you hear it for yourselves in this conversation. Uh, This episode also has a little bit of a bonus segment where we make some initial announcements about the Gorge Waterfalls weekend in 2023. My chat with Ninka was about 45 minutes, after which we'll play a short combo that I have with Jeremy Long from Daybreak Racing, our partner and race director for Gorge Waterfalls, where we talk about some of the exciting things that we have in store for the race next year. You won't want to miss it. LF Gorge. As usual, the Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland, founded by industry titans. Dave Dombrow and Kevin Fallon Speedland set out to create the highest quality trail footwear ever produced. It was the culmination of multi-decade long careers working at some of the biggest brands in the world. Dave and Kevin were sick of corporate life and wanted to turn the footwear business model on its head, producing in small quantities and making zero compromises. It's just a two-man startup. It's really remarkable what they've achieved so far, and we are just getting started. Where these big corporate shoe brands push big volume, Speedland only made 1,200 pairs of the SLHSV. These things are works of art. And when those 1,200 pairs are gone, the shoe will disappear forever. So you sneakerheads, you better go grab a pair before it's too late. Visit runspeedland.com and grab a pair today. Deep gratitude for everyone who listens to the show. I hope you enjoy the episode. See you in the outro. Ninka Brinkman, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you. I can't tell you. This is the first time, of course, that you and I have ever met. Uh, and you only recently uh, came into my consciousness just by talking to a few European running friends and and certain of your Nike teammates. And everybody speaks very highly of you and your career story is just fascinating. So I'm really happy to have you on the show. Uh, maybe first, just tell us how you're feeling a week removed from a phenomenal victory and course record performance at Sagama. Uh, yeah, I, I feel really good. I, uh, I was really happy um, the whole week and I took it easy for, you know, uh, recovery, like easy sports. Um, yeah, just normal week, I would say. 
Yes, good. Well, I hope you're thrilled with your performance. And obviously, it indicates that you're in a great spot. And the start to your 2022 season has already been quite phenomenal. And we're all very much looking forward to seeing what you continue to do. But before we kind of talk about your career and what's ahead of you, of course, I'd love to talk and learn a little bit more about your background. From what I understand, you were born in Jakarta, you grew up in the Netherlands, and now you live in Switzerland. So maybe give a quick picture to your background as an introduction to the audience. Uh, Yeah, so uh, you're right. I was born in Jakarta. Uh, My parents are both um, Dutch, but uh, my dad was uh, working there. So um, yeah, I was born there. And then when I was three months old, um, my mom moved back with uh, me and my sister um, to raise us in the Netherlands. And then uh, I also have uh, I have two sisters in the end, so one older, one younger. And uh, for my studies, uh, I moved um, to to Switzerland to Zurich. And there, after the master master thesis, I stayed for to do a PhD. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm trying to finish that at the moment. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So do you yeah. live, you live and train in Zurich now? Is that where you yeah. are? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So tell us about your history with sport. Cause I read that you were a high level field hockey player in the Netherlands. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that part of your athletic career. Yeah. I, I mean, I was playing a uh, second division. So um I, I never made the national level. I, I would have liked to, but I think I, I was just not good enough. Mm. But um, I think my entire life, uh, I did a lot of sports. I, I really I really love sports. And uh, so it is not that I, I never did any sports. And then all of a sudden I, I you know, uh, uh, started running. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my entire life I did a lot of sports, but not running specific sports. Um, but of course, in field hockey, you have to run a lot. And um, yeah, I, I did uh, cycling. And uh, so in the end, I think I, during my entire life, I I, I did uh, various sports. Also did half a year rowing. Uh, yeah, so I, I just like sports. And then I found uh, the love for running lately. Yeah. So, I mean, let's get into that because I think one of the things that's so special about your story, from what I've heard, as you mentioned, you've been an athlete your whole life, but you were never a serious runner. At least it doesn't seem like you ever really competed as a runner until kind of the pandemic was what inspired you to sort of get active and sort of explore your potential in that realm. So just tell us a little bit about your transition from being a field hockey player and your introduction to running. Uh, I think it came because I moved to Switzerland because I also wanted to play field hockey here. Um, but in Switzerland, um, field hockey is not so familiar. So uh, I uh, I was in a team where where um, um, people that played uh, uh, that never played hockey be- before uh, it, I was in the same team with them. So I didn't really, it, you know, it didn't really give me anything. Um, sport sport wise the the team was really great but I I had the feeling I I came home from a training and then I didn't do anything Mm. so then I stopped and I think from then I just started running and cycling and going to the gym Uh, and then when the pandemic 
started, I, I just uh, took to go out of, of the house. Sometimes I, I went for runs uh, every day and I think then the, the love for running and the, then I discovered it really. So traditionally though, like or in other parts of your life, did you ever go out for runs just for the simple exercise of it or did it really begin during the pandemic? Yeah, um, with field hockey, when it when you have the summer stop, you ha- you always get um, in, during the summer. You you need to keep your uh, your fitness, and you 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 get some program uh, to do some core stability and um, some running trails and stuff like this. Um, so uh, I I did have running shoes, and I, I mean I went for runs, um, but. You know, I, I just never went for, um, I don't know, um, interval training yeah. uh, and or training for for a distance uh, with running because it was focused on the field hockey. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And I guess I'll just reemphasize it for the listeners. But you started running two and a half or three years ago during the pandemic. And now you've owned the marathon national record for the Netherlands. And you are clearly like one of the best trail runners in the world and are, have every potential of competing for your country at the Olympic or world champion level. So it's a pretty fascinating story. Do you feel like when you got into running, were those goals that you had in mind? Did you approach it in a competitive way or were you doing it just to kind of stay active during the slow and lonely days of the pandemic? Mm, yeah, it started with that um, to to be really, you know, active. Um, but then I think for my myself, I'm quite competitive. So once I got into more training and um, I've, I found that uh, the times are 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 not bad or something like this. Then I started to think about um, yeah doing a marathon and, and stuff like this. So I think it quite came quite quick that um, that I, I I really wanted to compete. And actually, just before the pandemic, I I also took part in some like local races uh, like um, an an estafette. How do you you call it like an estafette that you have multiple people. Uh, like a relay? Yeah, a relay. A relay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I think I was, um, I, I like to do, to train for something. Yeah. I'm the same way. It's funny. I mean, I'm nowhere near as talented as you are, but I grew up a team sport athlete. Also, I played lacrosse, which is like field hockey in that it's requires a lot of running. It's, uh, fast paced. It requires both speed and strength slash endurance. And there's a handful of other people who sort of come from that team sport, field sport background who have excelled as endurance athletes and specifically on the trails. Do you find that your field sport background really helped to springboard you into the success that you've had as a runner? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, uh, I think, unconsciously I built uh, a good system for, for, for running because it cannot come out of the blue all of a sudden. So even though I was not training specifically for running, uh, uh, when I was doing field hockey, I think I, I did train for it uh, unconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel the same way. And now all those years of sprinting up and down the field and having to be a little bit more agile and move laterally, especially in trail running, maybe less so in marathons and stuff, which you're also world-class at those skills that were born on the lacrosse field. And in your case, the field hockey pitch definitely are make you a better trail runner for sure. So from looking at your story, it seems like you eventually got connected with a coach in Switzerland. And it seems like he helped to kind of accelerate your improvement curve. What inspired you to get connected with a coach and and what benefit did it um, apply to your training and competition? Um, the motivation was that I I did with my f- uh, few friends. We organized a um, marathon by ourselves because everything was canceled. And then I ran in uh, 2.39. No, and that was quite a, a good time. And I thought, uh, yeah, because I, I like to get more out of, of it, I think. Uh, so I thought if I want to make a change, I, I need to ask uh, some tips or help uh, to, to improve. And I was always going with a group from the university and the, the, the trainer from this group uh, is now my coach. But I, I asked him some tips and, and he actually, um, yeah, he, he took it very serious and wanted to help me as a coach. And I must say that I <laughs> I owe him, I think, everything because he... Yeah, he takes so much care uh, of of my trainings. He he, we changed everything, and and I, I mean, I'm sort of like training a little bit uh, polarized. So quality trainings are, you know, hard quality, <clears throat> and uh, easy trainings easy, and uh, I really had to learn uh, that. And um, yeah, I I think I owe him a lot. He learned me so many things that I didn't know. Fascinating. Tell us more about him because from what I read, I think this was in the Iron Far article that they wrote about you after your national record. I think they referred to him as a, a triathlon coach or something. And so yeah, I'm fascinated. He, I'm fascinated about the fact that like you're excelling both on the roads and the trails and he seems to come from a triathlon background. So paint the picture of how all that fits together. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's competing in uh, tri- uh, triathlons himself, mm, but he, uh, for the university, for example, he is doing the, the running trainings. So he, yeah, he knows a lot about also the running and he does a lot of research also on actually yeah, all the sports uh, um, that he he is doing. And um, he also knows quite a lot about trail running because he he also teaches me some, some stuff. He, he goes... He goes quite uh, regularly himself just for fun. Um, so when I, after, so when I went into the trail, trail season last year, he, he was also super excited about this. Uh, so, so he's also, he, uh, what I like is that if, if I suggest, uh, for example, to go from road to trail, he, he's really open to changing schedules and yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk more about the transition from roads to trails in a little bit, but maybe expand first on this polarized training a little bit. I'd love to learn a little bit more about what you mean by that 
and you know maybe give a few practical examples. You say that the easy days are very easy and the hard days are hard. Can you be more specific about what that means? Yeah, I think uh, before I got a coach, I took uh, um, every run needed to be hard and I needed to come, to come back uh, from a training tired. And um, what I changed to when I got my coach is that when we, we have, <clears throat> I think, around three quality trainings per week. So I need to be fresh in these trainings and the other trainings that we do around it, which uh, it's not that it's uh, not a lot. It's quite it's still quite some distance. So then it's sort of doing focusing on volume, but but the pace and and how hard it should actually be very easy so that I don't um, uh, compromise for the quality trainings. Mm. So, um, so yeah. like, are you consciously holding back in those low or those high volume, but low intensity sessions? Like what, how easy is easy is what I'm getting at. Because I think there's a lot of people who, who just go out and, and run at sort of like a default pace of what their body feels is comfortable. Do you sort of run at that pace or are you trying to be a little bit lower intensity than even that? Mm, I don't really look at the pace. I look at my heart rate. Uh, so usually when I'm tired, I go slower uh, at that heart rate. Uh, um, and when I'm more fresh, I, I go a bit faster. So yeah, depends a bit yeah. on the day. Interesting. And maybe this is a good segue to your academic and intellectual life, because I think this is another interesting thing that we can talk about. And I get the sense that you and your coach have a fairly scientific approach to your training as well. You mentioned before that you're working on your PhD. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you keep yourself busy outside of running. Uh, yeah, so at the moment, uh, outside of running, I work on my PhD. I'm in my final year now, so I need to write up my final paper and then um, hand in the thesis in the, by the end of the year. Um, but I reduce my workload from 100% to 60%, which means that I can do sort of uh, an, a training. I could do a training in the morning, work uh, during the day, and then in the afternoon or late, yeah, late afternoon, I can do another training. So, but um, what what's your PhD about? <laughs> what are you interested in? What are you studying? Uh, I studied geophysics, um, which involves uh, like uh, seismology, which I specialized in at the moment. Um, and currently, my PhD project is about um, seismology. Um, with the um, seismic data from Mars. Um, so we try to, uh, with the seismic data from Mars that we receive co continuously, we try to um, get an image of what's inside the, uh, yeah, the planets of Mars. <laughs> wow, that sounds way too intellectually difficult for me to even begin to understand, but geophysics and seismology and Mars and figuring out what's inside of it. How do you feel that your academic life influences your athletic life? Does it provide a balance or is it hard to balance the two things? I think it's, it provides a balance. Yes. And sometimes also that, um, that it's, um, you focus on your work and then you focus on your training. So it's not only about running. Um, but I also think that sometimes 
um, PhD or um, probably any job, um, it, it also can give you some extra stress, which can be um, limiting for training. Yeah. So I, I, I need to be, uh, when I, I, I notice that I get a lot of stress, I need to really, um, yeah, uh, make sure that doesn't, um, you know, that I don't tire my body too much. Yeah. I'm curious what the longer term vision for this PhD and academic credential is. Obviously, I feel like you're going to need to make a decision fairly soon about what you want to do in the medium term professionally, right? Because you're so good as a runner. And once you finish this PhD, you may have some time where you can really focus 100% only on running. Is that something that interests you? And, and what path do you see for yourself in terms of your ac academic or professional career uh, after your PhD? Like, how will you apply this, the learnings that you're accumulating uh, professionally, would you be a teacher or would you work in the private sector? Do you know? Mm, yeah, I think I, uh, to answer your last question, I, I would uh, be interested in a private sector. And so what, what I learn a lot, uh, what I specialize in with seismology is basically some sort of uh, signal processing. So this can also be applied in many different things other than seismology. Um, so I, I would be interested in something like this, uh, but to answer your first question, I I, I think I first want to really uh, focus full time on running. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So let's start talking about the things that you've accomplished so far, just to kind of bring things full circle for the audience, because I think your name is still new for a lot of people, even though you've achieved so much. It's only happened in a very short period of time. And it seems like after you got your introduction to running during COVID, 2021 was really a breakthrough year for you as a professional athlete. It seems like you won the, Z the Zermatt Marathon, which is a trail race. And you finished second in the Golden Trail World Series. And then you ran an incredibly fast 226 marathon at the end of last year. Talk about your 2021 season and, and what you did. Do you see it as sort of a breakthrough year for you athletically? And if so, what do you think contributed to it? Yeah, it was definitely sort of a breakthrough. And it's it's strange because um, the Zermatt Marathon was the first race. And um, this is not yeah, in July. It's one year ago. And if I think back, it's so much has changed since then. Um, but I, I, I think I'm, yeah, it's only positive changes. Uh, what mostly contributed to, to the success is, uh, yeah, introducing, uh, a coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I keep on repeating, but I, I think he really made, made, uh, made a lot, made a lot of for me, uh, to happen. Yeah. So maybe going back to the, the coaching and what we talked about only briefly a second ago, the transition between trails and roads, because like I said, you did the Zermatt Marathon, which is a trail race. You did the Golden Trail Series, which is a tr obviously a trail series. And then you finished with, I think it was the Valencia Marathon. Was that it at the end of last year? Yeah. So talk about the transition between that first sort of part of the season where you're focusing on the trails to then running such a fast 226 marathon in Valencia? Mm, 
I think before the Zermatt Marathon, the idea was also to uh, do a road marathon. So then I was trained, focusing on the road. And then um, because I got such a, uh, just one week before the race, I got an, um, an injury. And then as sort of uh, because the Zermatt Marathon was still happening because of COVID, that's why I transferred to the trails. Ah. So the, the, the thing is that we always kept in mind that we still want to do a road marathon. So what we did is we keep a little bit the basis uh, um, the same. So every week I still had a track session, for example. But then, of course, when I was in my trail season, I mainly focused on the trail running, but I kept in some sometimes a threshold set, set or sometimes a track uh, session per week. So to keep the basis a little bit. And then uh, after the trail season, I had, I think, a block of five weeks. And then I com completely uh, focused on the roads. So I, I think... Um, so there was only the main... a five-week block where you were completely focused on the roads before you did the 226 marathon? Is that right? Yes. Wow. But of course, I was, I was you know, uh, before I did the Golden Trail, so I, I was really trained. I of trained course. a lot. Yeah, you were fit, so, so you think, just had a short period yeah. of time to then do the specific work for the marathon. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So when you ran two twenty six, I think at the time that was the third fastest Dutch marathon ever run. Did it surprise you, and, and how did it change your perspective about what you could achieve as an athlete? Uh, yeah, it surprised me. Uh, I did think I was able to run a sub 230. That was the goal. Uh, but then four minutes faster or three and a half. Uh, yeah, there was something that I didn't expect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then because yeah, I made the limit for the, the European and the world championship and then sort of something opens, uh, a new whole new world opens for you. And yeah, that, that was really amazing. Yeah, I mean, maybe expand on that a little bit because when that whole new universe of opportunity opens, it's probably hard for you to determine where you want to focus your energy, right? Like, because you could become a world-class marathoner or you could focus only on trail races and there's so many fun trail races to do around the world. And so I imagine that it's, maybe sometimes difficult to decide what you want to do. How do you listen to your motivation and, and figure out what sort of goals you want to set for yourself? Is that something that you do personally or you work on with your coach? Uh, I work on it with my coach. Of course, he first let me um, sort of make um, a sketch. Uh, and um, for this year, we really wanted to 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 make it clear for the entire year, so that I have it clear in my head, and also with the work schedule that I can really figure out when I have time more for work and stuff like this. Um, and then I think we really agreed on that we really wanted to do a good road marathon block uh, for a road marathon in the beginning of the year. And then there was also no hesitation that we still really. Uh, want to do some trail, trail running also to, because I really like it and it I think it's good to to have some some shift also for your mental <laughs> health sort of uh, 
yeah, and then I had to decide between the Europeans and the World Championship, and I decided to, to go for the Euro Europeans. Um, so that will be in August. So I have now, um, in between my trail races, I have one road marathon, and then I finish the season with trails. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a little bit sad that you're not doing the World Championship Marathon because I actually live in Oregon, which is where the World Championship mm -hmm. is going to be this summer. But yeah. Yeah, but I'll be I'll be happily watching your trail season evolve, um, you know, digitally at least as a as a fan. So I want to also get into the professionalization of your running career because I'm sure this has also been somewhat of a surprise for you, right? Like at the end of 2021, you signed with Nike and the, uh, the NN team, which is like Elliot Kipchoge's team. So, and for you being so new to the sport, it must be strange. Like it must be just like hard to adjust to talk about, uh, signing with Nike, the NN team and, and sort of what that experience has been like. Yeah, that's, I can, uh, it's hard to describe it in words, but it's, I think I can only say that it's just like a dream really, <laughs> because yeah, of course, as a runner, you dream to sign with Nike and, and also in the road running world to go with the NN team. So, um, yeah, that both was really, really cool for me. And I, I get so much help, um, now with everything, um, that that of course then focusing on the running is even more um yeah better it's it's better and better so um yeah i'm, I'm really happy with the, with the sponsors i have is there any i mean maybe you don't want to answer this but is there any pressure between like sticking to road race like do they want to determine any of the goals that you set for yourself or are you given full autonomy because you know you would think that having that type of a professional contract, especially with the, the biggest brand in the world being Nike that, and with the, what success that you've achieved in such a short period of time that maybe they would want you to focus exclusively on the roads. Has there been, have you been given full autonomy to be able to also explore the trail side of the sport as well? And have they been supportive of that? I'm just wondering if, uh, if they yeah. give you any guidance. Yeah, uh, and also, I, I mean, the contract with Nike was, was with the Nike Trail. So it's quite clear that uh, I'm doing Nike, uh, trail running and and then team is road running. So I think I made it pretty clear that there will be road and trail running in my year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I get, uh, they, they leave me to it, really. Uh, they're really happy. Uh, I shared, of course, I shared my uh, schedule and... There was no issue. It was a, I think they, they are happy with, with this schedule. Yeah. So cool. Well, I was, I sent a message to Pat Warhain. Do you interface with Pat? Who's the Nike trail guy here in the U S yeah. 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 I, yeah, I never a, met him in person, but uh, we have um, like a lot of uh, contact. Yeah. Well, I sent him a message letting him know I was having you on the podcast. Of course we, we live in the same town here in Portland where Nike is based and I think he's just done such a good job of like identifying and recruiting such talented athletes. And it's awesome that they have the foresight to allow you to do whatever you want, because I don't know, I would think that there would be some 
temptation, especially with the NN team and the talent that you've shown in the marathon to, you know, maybe there be a little pressure to have you chase that more exclusively, but it's great that you're able to, to do what you want anyway. Really interesting. Yeah, I, I think also their their idea is really that they they um, I'm I'm coming from uh, trail running, doing a good road marathon. So they believe, you know, you do you do what you you want, and as long as it's, it keeps uh, and as long as you progress, uh, we are happy with what you do. Awesome, so cool. So you carried the momentum into 2022 after your breakthrough season of 2021. And, uh, I think you started the season at the Rotterdam marathon where you ran 222. So another four minute improvement or three and a half minute improvement, something very significant over the 226 that you would run in Valencia. You finished second place overall and broke the national record for the Netherlands. Was that another surprise for you? Tell us about that race. Uh, yeah, the race was really, uh, everything went according to plan. And I also had a really good build up. I started in January. I even went four weeks to Kenya to train there. So I would say my, my build up was really good. And then a few, I think two to three weeks before the race, um, we noticed that my form is really good. And then we started talking about the national record, um, that it could be possible. It would, it would be tied, sort of. <laughs> so it was, it was not super clear. Uh, that's why I, I was not 100% confident. Uh, but I also thought, yeah, I, I, I also want to give it a shot. Uh, so it wasn't in my head when I started the race. And, uh, it, from the sounds of it, and I think I read this again in the I Run Far article that they wrote afterwards, but you ran a pretty substantial negative split. And, you know, I think just like having another just massive breakthrough, it feels like there's still so much more potential that you have. Did that give you a similar feeling after the 226 of like uh, new doors and universes of possibilities and opportunities opening ahead of yourself how did breaking the national record only two and a half years after starting running maybe change your perspective of what you could accomplish in your career yeah i of course yeah of course after this race i i had again this feeling as i had in in valencia um and i i, I find it difficult to to really see where i would go but I know that I really like to to do these kind of build-ups and really focus on 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 improving. So uh, yeah, I, I I really want to keep improving. Um, yeah, of course I I don't know where this is going. Uh, I just really want to continue to progress. Yeah, but like the national record had stood for whatever, 18, 19 years, I think it was that you broke. And it sounds like you're now going to be targeting like the European championships and the Olympics and things like that. Were those goals in mind prior to running 222 or after you ran the race? Was it like, you know, I actually do want to try and make the Olympic team. No, uh, I, I think this this was already a goal of of mine. 
uh, actually, this was already a goal when when I ran my first uh, unofficial marathon with my friends. Really? I just, yeah, it's a goal. It was a like a dream. It's like a dream of mine. And uh, then it was really unrealistic, I think. Uh, but you can have dreams. Yeah. I always think. Um, but now, of course, it becomes more realistic uh, to me. Yeah. And I think one of my biggest dreams is to go to the Olympics. That's interesting. So even before you had your coach, you were already thinking, well, maybe I could be an Olympian as a runner. It probably, it indicates that, I mean, you mentioned that you're a competitive person, but it indicates that you don't set limits for yourself and that you really believe in yourself. And that's probably also reflected in your academic pursuits as well. You're somebody who doesn't set limits and um, you know, goes after big audacious goals like seismology of Mars. <laughs> is that a, just a personality trait of yours? Was that instilled in you by your parents or is that something that's kind of come naturally? Uh, I think, I think this, yeah, it, it, it comes quite naturally, but I, I would say not in everything. So for example, with sports, yes, I have really big dreams, but I, um, with my academic career, um, this project with Mars, um, I'm just a really tiny part of the of the big project, and uh, yeah, I, I would say n not in everything that I, I have such big goals. But I, if I like something, and and and, and if I'm interested in something, I, I really want to. Yeah, I can set goals to myself, and I I always keep on telling myself it's it's not bad to to dream of to dream big. Uh, yeah. It, it also, also gives you, it keeps you a little bit alive, I think. Definitely. Wow. So inspiring. So let's talk about Zagama a little bit and maybe let's do the opposite of what we did on the last training question where we, we talked about going from trails to roads. This time you went from the roads to the trails. So talk about the few weeks that separated Rotterdam and Zagama. How did your training adjust to be prepared to do what is a totally different marathon distance race in the mountains in Basque country of Spain? Uh, yeah, honestly, I think it was um, not super easy because I only had six weeks and I first two weeks, I was quite tired from the marathon. Uh, and then I switched really to a lot of uphill running and I tried to, to do similar trainings as last year. And I didn't reach the times that I did last year. So I was getting a bit, I was not super confident going into the race. Mm. Uh, um, but I also knew that my fitness, it's not, it was not bad. So in the end, I also thought, okay, I, I just have to, I have to live with, with the training. It's probably good. It's probably, I'm probably a little bit different fit than last year. And just believe in that. That's also yeah, it can also bring you somewhere. Uh, but it was sometimes in the trainings, I had a hard time that I didn't reach the times, for example, that I did last year. Yeah. So you weren't especially confident, but the performance was uh, historic. Yeah. I mean, you broke the course record at a very, very important, legendary mountain race. Maybe give us the brief encapsulation of how the race played out. Did you lead from the beginning and what strategy did you employ that worked out so well? Uh, yeah, I lead the race from, led the race from the beginning. 
um there was it was not um really the plan it was just i had sort some sort of um heart rate zone that i wanted to to run in in the beginning and then i i would have had to see where it would uh, place me and then of course i i noticed that it was um me um uh, being the first woman and this was actually yeah this was my race strategy until i think the top top which was uh, 30 kilometers mm -hmm. i think because at that point i thought okay now it's some technical part and also then downhill and then i also thought we are so far in the race now and now i really don't want to give up my sec my first place yeah uh so then i got um i i really made sure that i i i I stayed first. <laughs> yeah. So practically speaking, are you paying attention to your heart rate constantly in races, whether on the road or trail? That's kind of how you monitor your energy expenditure and make sure that you're racing intelligently. Yeah. Especially I think first part of races, mm. usually later on. Yeah. I squeeze out there. Then you compete. <laughs> yeah. Then you compete. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Talk about the race atmosphere at Sagama. I think one of the things that you probably are able to enjoy a lot is the different dynamics of, you know, these kind of bigger city marathons versus smaller trail races versus sort of in between sort of a big city marathon atmosphere at a trail race, which is, I've <laughs> yeah. never been to Zagama, but everybody who's been there has enjoyed it immensely and speaks very highly about the energetic spectators in the overall race atmosphere. Talk about that a little bit. Did it energize you? And, and maybe for people who haven't been, what makes Zagama special? Yeah. So Zagama uh, I think it, the audience really makes the race. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, some parts you just run through the crowd and they they have a lot of respect for the runners because nobody touches you. They just really cheer you on. And after uh, such a section where you pass through the audience, you really have like ringing in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> and be, be, because before I heard heard about it, that it's so crazy. But then when you actually experience it, then you know what people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Really yeah. cool. I really would love to to go do that race someday. And it's Yeah, like, you should. Yeah. It's really recommendable. Yeah. It seems like you guys had good conditions too. And as somebody who's paid attention to the Zagama weekend for the last decade, it seems like they usually have horrendous rainy wet weather but this yeah. year it looked very very nice yeah we had to read a great uh weather day as well yeah what do you view as your biggest weakness as an athlete right now like since you came into the sport so i mean you're so new still i'm sure there's things that you still know that you can improve upon what do you think right now is the thing that you need to work on the most, whether it's in the marathon, on the roads, or in the trails. Mm, on the trails, I really know that my technique—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really my weakness. A technique uh, in technical parts, but also especially in the downhills, mm -hmm. I really sort of have a break uh, on in my legs still when I go down. I think it's fear. Um, and in the marathon, I think also my running economy. 
can be improved. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's also what we are working on to 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 run the most uh, to make my movement most efficient. I think those things are really things that I um, focus on, and uh, I think, yeah, I think that's at the moment my my biggest weakness. How do you improve that? Is it just practice? With the technique, it yeah. typically is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think with free running, it's also yeah, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, you need to overcome this fear, I think. Yeah, and uh, there are really great um, trail runners here, also um, in Zurich. So I, I also get help. You know, I, 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 I run with friends, and then they show me a little bit how they do it, and I follow. And yeah, yeah that's also great. Yeah, that's a good way to improve. Just watch the Golden Trail series broadcast yeah. and look at look at Killian and just, oh, yeah. just do what he does. It's, it's insane. <laughs> Sometimes I'm it's I'm really beautiful. surprised how people. Yeah. fly down yeah isn't it beautiful yeah it's just like watching yeah, it's, somebody it's, who's so comfortable in that terrain it's yeah it's fantastic and inspiring so let's uh start winding down and just like talk about some of your future goals this season and beyond what does the rest of 2022 look like for you um so i will have the european championship in uh, august where is that where's that being held in Munich, Munich, Germany. Okay. Munich in August. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be warm Hot. to run a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we need to also train a little bit, yeah. uh, uh, my heat, uh, to train in heat. Yeah. Yeah. And then in, in September, I will, uh, participate in the two U.S. uh, trail races for the Golden Trail. So the Pikes um, Peak Ascent and, uh, it's a Flags. Flagstaff Sky. Yeah, I forget the name. Sky Peaks, maybe is the name. Something like uh, that. Yeah. So you'll do that. Yeah. That's awesome. You're coming to the U.S. and yeah. Pikes, yes. Pikes Peak Ascent is legendary. Pikes Peak Marathon is legendary. You'll have to be prepared for altitude at both of those races. Have you started considering that? Yeah, actually, I I'm going to altitude also for the European Championship. Uh huh. Um. But indeed, those uh, U.S. races are really high in altitude. Uh, so maybe it also helps me to, uh, the when I prepare for the Europeans, that it, it still helps me a little bit for the U.S. races. Yeah. And then what's after the trail races, the Golden Trail uh, series? Is there anything else after your trip to the U.S. on your racing calendar? Well, I hope uh, with those um, two U.S. races and the Gamma, uh, I make make it to the final, and then uh, the final of the Golden Trail is like a stage race in uh, Madeira. So it's a five day racing, and um, yeah, that will be in October. Awesome. And uh, I think then my season will be over uh, in 2022 because I want to also finish my PhD. Yeah, <laughs> so much going on. So. Final thing for you before I let you go, Ninka. Let's talk longer term goals. You know, I think Paris 2024 marathon is probably something that you're very excited about, but yeah. I want to hear you talk about that. But then also, I think there's it's a unique situation because you're the type of athlete who could 
you know, do the 100K World Championship. You could win comrades. Obviously, there's a lot of amazing long trail races too. So I'm curious to hear you talk about the Olympics and any other longer term goals that you have for yourself as an athlete. Um, yes, it's it's difficult because there are so, so many things. But what I um, what you just mentioned, I think also when, you know, I am also interested in the longer stuff. I think not at the moment because I like it's short and uh, that the speed is important. Um, but I, I am interested also at some point, maybe sometimes I want to do the Western state. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah that would be really cool. I think, but yeah, that's, that's more, that's like long-term goal. Yeah. Incredible. Well, what about the, uh, what about the Olympics? I mean, obviously you've just broken the national record, and so it would indicate that you should make the team. I mean, I don't, don't make any assumptions, but what would it mean to you to compete for your home country in Paris in 2024? I think it would mean, yeah, it's, it's really my, at the moment, really my big goal. Yeah. So I, I really want to give everything. And also what I know is that when I make it to, uh, uh, to, into the Olympic team, I really want to, to, to prepare to prepare really well yeah. um that yeah I, I hope i have a you know a chance to really compete yeah i have a feeling that you will well ninka it's been a pleasure to to get to know you a little bit here in this conversation i've become so inspired by you and uh plan to follow your career very closely over the rest of this season and beyond, but thanks for carving out a little time to come on the podcast and congrats again on an amazing Zagama and everything else that you've accomplished. Thanks very much for having me. It was really great to meet you. Free Trail is grateful for the support of Jolbo Eyewear, the best sunglass brand in the game. I've been fortunate to work with these guys for probably seven or eight years at this point. Jolbo was born in the mountains of France way back in 1888, and they have been a leader in mountain sport eyewear ever since. Jolbo's special sauce lies in the photochromic reactive lenses that adjust to lighting conditions, getting lighter or darker depending on the intensity of the natural light. It's really just an amazing product. You put them on and you keep them on, no matter if you're in the shade, in variable lights or full-on bluebird conditions. The glasses adjust for you so you don't have to. My two favorite models are the Ultimate and the Fury, so go check these out. The Ultimate is more of an exposed lens, athletic look, where the Fury is more of a shield design, but both are under 27 grams, so extremely lightweight and high performance. Best sunnies in the trail biz. Go check out the products at jolbo.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your purchase. jolbo.com, code FREETRAIL10. Important note, this discount does apply to prescription shades, but does not apply for those outside the U.S. Apologies to our international listeners, but big thanks to Jolbo. 
The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition, the first brand to believe in our fledgling operation. Gnarly makes the best nutrition products on the market for outdoor and mountain sport athletes, top to bottom. Everything is first class, much like the people that work for the company. You've heard me talk about the Fuel 2O drink mix, the BCAAs, the Performance Greens. Well, today I want to tell you about the Gnarly Hydrate Electrolyte Mix. Harmony, my wife, will tell you I am obnoxious and annoying about hydration. I suspect most athletes walk around at least moderately dehydrated day to day. And I think improving hydration status is the simplest thing that you can do to improve your performance. Of course, improving hydration is not just about drinking more water. You also need minerals and electrolytes, which the gnarly hydration mix has in spades. Loaded with electrolytes and B vitamins, Gnarly Hydrate has everything you need to keep your muscles and brain fully engaged to power through your time on the trails and in your daily life. As usual, you can get 15% off your purchase of Gnarly Hydrate and any of their other amazing products by visiting gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15. Back to the show. Jeremy Long, welcome to Free Trail World Headquarters, hey, buddy. Hey, Devo. Thanks. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Drove all the way across town for this. I know, man. <laughs> well, just uh, give a brief introduction to who you are before we talk about what, uh, you know, the news we're breaking here. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Jeremy Long. I'm a race director by trade. Um, I own Daybreak Racing. We host a series of trail running races throughout uh, Oregon and one in Washington. And we are partners on a very special race, the yeah. Gorge Waterfalls 100K, 50K. That's right. I guess uh, we'll talk about what the future looks like for the event, but before we do so, let's do a quick retrospective from the race that was in April 2022. Peak life experience for me. Why don't you give <laughs> us your breakdown? Yeah, well, it was kind of this uh, condensed, crazy condensed timeline of hosting an event, you know, when we actually legit got the permits and the rights to the event in what the end of 2021 yeah and then flipped the switch on this thing and opened it up and announced it and you know three and a half months later hosted a huge race and really got a great reception and um couldn't have asked for more from it honestly for essentially a first year event yeah i would echo everything you just said and man what a beautiful, exhausting, exhilarating weekend that was. Yeah. Gave me a deep new appreciation what people like you do for a living, the race and event directors in the great sport of trail running. So thank you for your service. Thank you for being the leader of our race for Gorge Waterfalls. <laughs> and we get to just kind of be the, the hype squad and uh, do the easy work. When it's a big part of it, you though. And the these, days, these days, especially. You I know. know. Yeah. Right. You just have to be obnoxious online. And we do a good job <laughs> of that. Well, yeah. And I, I think just to flag one specific detail, I think the new start finish area in Cascade Locks oh. was so special. I mean, yeah. it came together in a way that far exceeded my expectations and it did feel like we took over the whole town. It was simultaneously like super intimate and yep. also like felt like a little bit of a trail extravaganza. So I, I totally agree. I, um, I've never run a, a European race, but a little bit of that vibe you could kind of sense from the, the running out of town for the hundred K, but then everybody 
running through town to finish the race under the bridge of the gods, you know, right into town along the Columbia river. It's like, I mean, you couldn't ask for a a cooler finish line on the West coast. It gives you a vision for what we hope to turn this race into over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) With that being said, let's launch into the future because we are making a couple of changes to the race, but maybe let's just start with the basics about when the race is going to be, what it's going to look like for 2023. Yeah. So Dylan, yeah, we've been chatting about 2023 since basically the day after the race. (laughs) Um, And we've, you know, confirmed with all of our permit agencies, uh, all of our, you know, proposed upgrades and switcheroos and stuff. And so basically we're going to expand the event into a three day event. Uh, starting next year and we're going to go with um, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The dates will be March 31st, April 1st and April 2nd, 2023. Friday will be a 30 K and kind of a vendor village afternoon vibe uh, with maybe even a speaker series and bib pickup and all the, uh, the, the fun extravaganza to welcome in those 30 Ks on Friday Saturday will be the 100K like this past year, and Sunday will be the 50K. So basically, most of things will remain the same, including the dates are basically identical, but we're... Early April, yeah. Yeah, we're expanding one day earlier and adding a shorter distance 30K raise, which we hope to be... Point to point. Point to point and high octane, super fast at the front, but also a great introductory type race to people who are just getting into trail running or like to keep their, their runs shorter than an ultra marathon. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, in addition, um, you know, next year we expect there to be higher demand. So maybe let's talk a little bit about when we expect to open up registration and stuff for people who want to join us. Yeah. So when we, when we announced the race, this, for this, for this past spring, um, the 50 K filled up in about 12 hours, it was full. So we we really felt it was the best the best way to give everybody a, a good chance of getting in in the future of moving the 50k to a lottery. Um, so we were going to open up the the 50k lottery for the 2023 Gorge Waterfalls race on September 1st. So in what's that? Three months. Yeah. Ish. Just after UTMB weekend, people will be excited yeah. that we're setting goals. So on September one. 2022 mark your calendars everybody if you want to get into the 50k lottery opens that day keep going Jerry. so we'll keep the lottery uh open to sign up for a couple of weeks and then we'll host the the 50k lottery on a saturday september 17th we might do something live or fun or special to you know just help everybody get together or tune in at least and we'll drive everybody that day. And then the following day, Sunday, September 18th, we'll open up registration for the 30K and the 100K uh, for everyone. And um, we'll see how quickly those fill up like yeah. like, like we did this last. So in last other winter. words, we plan to have a lottery for the 50K, but not for the 100K and 30K. Correct. Yeah. For the time being. And so if you didn't get in the 50K... And jump in you the 30K. You got other distances. Yeah. Perfect. 
So yeah, I guess those are the main highlights of what we want to communicate to the ultra running world right now. I would just say a couple more things myself. There are a couple other minor tweaks that we're making to aid stations that we're going to be making minor adjustments to simply to accommodate more people, to allow easier access to the trails, to the runners, to allow people to spectate, to make everything more crew, more safety. And also, obviously... But more media folks in. More media folks. (laughs) (laughs) But what I was going to say, it's obviously the free trail after party. Free trail slash daybreak, I should say. Sunday night after uh, after the 50K yeah. to wind down from an amazing weekend. That was, what do you say, That was Jeremy? the perfect ending. Yeah, <laughs> that was so I couldn't good. say no to that. Yeah. And it started pouring right when we went in yeah. there. <laughs> it rained the whole way home afterwards, but uh, yeah, it was the perfect sign-off. Well, Jeremy, it's so great to be partners with you, man. I can, honestly, man, it was like I said, a total peak life experience for me. And just like I was ragged afterwards. And, <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it gives me a new appreciation for just how challenging it is to be a race director in the sport. (laughs) You and your team just did a flawless job, and we were proud to be part of it. So thank you for that. Total mutual feeling. As we've said kind of from these initial conversations however long ago, it's it's this marriage of... Free trail skills and daybreak skills (laughs) to to pull this thing off, and we... It's exactly what I wanted, yeah. and the trajectory is only going to go up. So I'm, I'm yeah. already stoked for it. And you know, we've also like batted around a few other ideas, haven't <laughs> we, Jeremy? So maybe we'll we'll save that for a future combo. Well, thanks for coming Sounds to Free good. Trail World Headquarters, buddy. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate it. Okay, that's it for this episode. How cool is Ninka? Is she not? one of your favorite athletes now after listening to that convo so happy to have her on the show and learn a little bit more about her amazing story if you don't already go follow ninka on the internet right now i have links to her instagram and her strava accounts in the show notes can't wait to see what she does at the european marathon championships and in the rest of the golden trail world series thanks also to jeremy long for helping us to soft launch gorge 2023 the website should be updated now with all the relevant info visit gorgewaterfalls.com and check it out we hope to have you join us out in cascade locks in oregon 2023 If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a review, sharing this episode on social media or with your friends and training partners. Those things take almost zero effort, but make a huge difference for us and our little team. We would really appreciate it. A big heartfelt thank you also to our sponsors, Speedland. Get the SLHSV while supplies last. Visit runspeedland.com. Tell them Debo sent you. Jolbo, welcome to the family, guys. Super happy to have Jolbo on board. Very happy to have their support. Best glasses in the game. Go to jolbo.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 to get 10% off some shades as we head into sunny, sunny summertime. Can't wait. Last but not least, Gnarly Nutrition. Go gnarly.com. FREETRAIL15. Get 15% off all your training and racing nutrition needs. We've got some really cool stuff happening with Gnarly in the near future, and I am super grateful for their belief in us. If you care about the show, it would mean a lot if you also support our partners because they do make it possible. Of course, even without sponsors, we would probably still do this show because we love the game. 
and we love you. Thank you for dedicating your time to listening to the show. It means a lot. See you soon. Love you. Bye.